now. Welcome to Dr. Nancy live on Wednesday. Um, today we have with us uh, Katie Charleston from uh, Katie Charleston Law. She's going to talk to us about uh, seven things you need to know about establishing guardianship with your children. And I'm echoing on this, so I'm not going to talk too much. So I'm going to let her take it away. And if you find this information valuable, um, share it on your page and spread the word. So welcome, Katie. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. This is such an important topic, and I'm happy to spread the word and, and inform those uh, who are interested more about the topic. Uh, one thing that's important to us all is our children and making sure that they're safe and protected. So like you said, what I'm going to be discussing today is the seven must-dos when naming guardians for your children. Now, when I talk about naming guardians for your children, what I am suggesting is that you name people that actually take physical custody of your children when you are unable to care for them. This could be because you're passed on, or it could be because you're incapacitated, but someone that's there to take care of them in the event that you cannot. Um, so we'll just start with the, uh, the first of those must-dos, and that would be to make sure that when you're naming a couple as guardians of your child, that you're comfortable with both parties of that couple uh, caring for your children individually. You must think beyond the present um, and into the future. So if that couple were to um, separate or divorce in the future, would you feel comfortable with one person raising your child? Similarly, if one of the individuals was to predecease the others, um, would you feel comfortable with that single person raising your child? So something very important to think about. Um, many don't uh, go that far, so it's just an extra step. Uh, the second one would be to name more than one guardian. Uh, we often think of our parents or our best friend or sister um, and stop there. The problem with that is the people that we usually trust most to care for our children like we would care for our children are people that we generally do most of our daily activities with. So we go on trips together, we spend holidays together, um, what we want to take into account here is that if something were to happen to you on one of those occasions, it could potentially happen to them. So um, a car accident during a trip could uh, affect you and your sister that you are going to name as a guardian. So you want to uh, uh, name more than one. My personal recommendation is that you name at least three people so that you have two backups in the event that the first or second doesn't work out. A third must-do when taking into account a naming a guardian, not consider financial resources. Um, we often think about who could financially support our children. You may have a best friend who already has five children, and you're afraid that the financial hardship would take her over the edge, so you don't name her. That's not the first the, and the most important thing to consider. The most important thing to consider would be that you're, who you're naming is actually raising your children the way you would want them to be raised. It's really up to you to leave enough financial resources for that individual to take care of your child. And you can do this through things like retirement savings, life insurance, um, and other assets that you acquire throughout your lifetime. And Dr. Cooper, if you have any questions or want to interrupt me at any time, please do. Um, otherwise, I'll just I'll keep proceeding through. You're doing great. Okay, great. The fourth uh, consideration that you should take into account 
is uh, creating a living trust. A revocable living trust would do your family a lot of favors. Um, first of all, it would keep all of your assets out of the court system. There's this thing called probate, which many of us have had experience with um, or may have just heard about. And what it is, is it's a court who actually um, will direct an executor to distribute your assets, either through the state default rules or through a will, if you have a will in place. But the problem with probate is threefold, really. First, it's completely public. And what probate court does is it allows people to know who's going to get a lot of assets. And so if your child is about to inherit a lot of money, um, that leaves your, your child open to predators. Another problem with probate court is that it, it's a long process. Depending on what state you are in, and I'm licensed in four states, so I've seen various amounts of time, um, but probate could last anywhere from nine to 15 months. And that's if there's no, no one contesting the way things are being distributed. And the third problem with probate is it's costly. It's estimated that 5% of your total estate goes towards the fees associated with probate court. And that doesn't take into account things like attorney's fees in the case of a contest. So of avoiding probate can be done, and it can be done through a living trust. So that's something for families to consider. Um, number five is to consider those individuals you would not want to raise your children. We all have people in our life where we think, ooh, I wouldn't have done that. You know, I wouldn't have uh, engaged in that type of parenting technique, or I wouldn't want my child exposed to that. Well, these people, although we're not naming them as guardians for our children, they can be included in what's called a confidential exclusion. And that's where we list people out that we don't want our kids to go to. So that in the event a judge, a complete stranger has to make that decision, they know that you've put in writing that for whatever reason, you don't want your children raised by these people. So that would be number five. Uh, the sixth must do is to name short-term guardians for your children. Now, so far I've been talking about naming long-term guardians, but short-term guardians are essential too. They're essential for things like your, your everyday date night. Okay, maybe not every day, but some of us go on date night every once in a while. Um, and in the event you do and something happens, and it doesn't have to be death. When we're talking about this, it doesn't have to be death. It just has to be a temporary unavailability. You wanna make sure that there's no uh, lack in the, the caring of your child. And you can do that by naming short-term guardians. I like to call them first responders. And those are people that are available within 15, 30 minutes to pick up your children if for some reason you cannot. So that's necessary. Um, and what I recommend in my estate plans I do for families with children is that they get what I call a kids protection plan. And it would include both the long-term and short-term guardians as well as some instructions to caregivers. Um, and the seventh thing on my list of must-dos would to be name your guardians in separate documents from either your will or your power of attorney. It is very common, in fact, traditional for um, law firms and individuals to name guardians within the, the will that itself or within a power of attorney. The problem with this is your decisions about your guardians may change over time. And if you aren't constantly updating your power of attorney or your will, then these choices could become outdated um, and not up to date when the time comes for your children actually to be um, appointed a guardian. 
So those are the seven must do's. Um, this is something we do on a regular basis for our families that come in. In fact, we hold events throughout the year at different um, places around the community where we not only educate the community um, and answer their questions about the process, but also help them through it. So for example, we have guardianship nomination workshops that we hold where we actually walk you through and counsel you through choosing and naming guardians and things you can think about. Um, in some respects, we become counselors because oftentimes uh, two spouses don't agree initially. Um, so we can work through that. But it's a very essential thing if, you know, in the long run, you're thinking, oh, I'm not ready for a, a complete estate plan, which in my opinion, everyone is. But if you're not, at least naming guardians for your children provides them some protection moving forward. So is the protection plan what you're talking about? If you're not ready to do a will or mm -hmm. a state plan, um, for the, especially for the short time or for short term, your first responders, mm -hmm. is your kids protection plan, is that where you can name those people? Exactly, yes. That's something you can do with the kids protection alone, uh, the kids protection plan. Um, there's also, if on my website, which is katiecharlestonlaw.com. I think it popped up a little while ago. On my homepage, I have a link that takes you to a site where you can go through the process of naming permanent guardians for your children. Um, and it really, it sort of walks you through the process. And depending on what state you are, for, in Indiana, for example, you would need to take those documents and get them witnessed by two individuals. Um, so it's not just complete online. You actually have to get them witnessed and signed. Um, but there are ways to do that um, in the interim until you're ready to do that full estate plan. What if something happens and the only first responder documentation you have is at a school? Like who can pick up their kid and things like that? Do they ever use that? Not typically. I mean, if you're if your kids are at school and you have that document in place, the kids will re I'm sorry, the uh, school will release your kids to the person that you have named. But for long term, it becomes irrelevant. Um, if that person is, uh, say, you name your neighbor, for example, as a person authorized to pick up your child in the event something happens to you, um, that neighbor ultimately is going to have to encounter um, either relatives of that child or the police, depending on what the nature of the situation is. Um, and they're, what would ultimately happen if there was no actual guardianship papers in place is the kids could be taken into um, Child Protective Services until a judge sorts it out. So that's one of the major reasons to get this paperwork in place so that there's no possibility that your kids actually end up in the system and there's no way that a stranger, a judge, would be making a decision about who um, takes care of your children. Wow. I never even thought of all that stuff. So this is wonderful information. <laughs> Does okay. anybody have any questions for Katie? We have a few viewers online. Um, let's see here. We're gonna write your list down in comments um, of all the things that you had mentioned here, your seven bullet points for sure. And if anybody has any questions, go ahead and shoot them out while you have an attorney here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you're, you're located in Carmel, from what I understand. And then what other kind of law um, do you practice? I do both business and estate planning. Um, so I also help businesses grow and protect their businesses, not through just estate planning, but through other measures such as business branding, copyright, trademarks, patents, that sort of thing. Um, and I sort of work on a 
a roadmap of selling their business so that when they're ready to sell, I can actually guide them through that as well. Okay. So we have a question um, about living trust. Can, she, can you tell us a little more about that? Sure. So a living trust is basically an agreement between you and yourself. So it's a contract where you're saying, I'm taking my personal assets and I'm putting them in a trust for the benefit of myself while I'm alive and for the benefit of whoever my beneficiary is when I pass. For instance, I would, I would want my husband and my children to benefit from the assets when I'm gone. Um, and the benefit of the, the living trust is that all of your assets get passed privately because you have this agreement in place. So nothing has to be submitted to the probate court. So you would have a trustee during your lifetime would be yourself. So you'd be able to move assets in and out of the revocable living trust while you're alive. And then at your death, it becomes irrevocable, meaning it can't be revoked. And you've named someone to carry on that trustee position. And they will make sure that your wishes are carried out for however you want your assets distributed um, when you're gone. Would that be a professional or is it a family member or something like that? Um, it could be uh, anyone that you choose. Uh, a lot of times uh, individuals will name family members, but there are also actually corporate trustees you could name. So if you didn't have someone you trusted or you just didn't have family around, you could name, for example, a lot of banks serve as trustees. And so they would be tasked with following your wishes that's, uh, as you lay them out in your trust. Interesting. Yeah. Um, let's see, we have another one. Um, they asked, so writing out that your child and assets should go to someone specific on paper, that wouldn't hold my court, but we just wrote it down. Kind of. Te technically, that wouldn't work because uh, anyone could do that, right? Anyone could just write a little bit, a, a note down, and it, maybe it's not even you, um, and, and then that could be submitted to the court. The importance of the acknowledgments are you have two independent witnesses who are um, saying that they actually saw you, you were capable of knowing what you were doing, and you signed this document in front of them. So they could testify in front of a judge that this was valid if for any reason it was disputed. Great. Great question, Peggy. Does anybody else have any questions before we let Katie go today? Got some really good questions. I really like that. Oh, here we have one. Um, can you pick two different people to be guardians and a person who would be responsible for their financials? So separate from guardians. I highly recommend that the individuals taking care of your children are not the individuals taking care of your money. It's good to have checks and balances in that respect. We have a follow-up question about the, um, writing it on paper. She said that even with their signatures, that wouldn't hold up. If you if you signed it, um, if I be I believe the question is even if you signed it, uh, would it be invalid? It would it would be valid if it was witnessed. Um, I hope that answers your question. Um, you want to have two people, independent people, so people that you haven't named in the paperwork, um, observe you signing it and witness it, meaning they sign it themselves. Um, and that creates another le lever of, level of validity for the court if it becomes a dispute. Yeah, thank you, Peggy. Thanking you. <laughs> um, where did the paperwork go after you write it out and have witnesses sign? 
Awesome question. It is very important that you make this uh, paperwork available to your caregivers. Um, and this is one of the reasons I suggest having it separate from your will. You don't want everyone to know everything within your will or your trust, um, but you do want your caregivers to know that you have named these guardians. So it's important to keep them in a place where your caregivers have access to them. In the event something happens to you, they can reach for the papers and be able to call the correct people to come in and, and take care of your children. Wonderful. Okay, I don't think we have any more questions. Thank you, Katie. This was wonderful. Really okay. informative information. And thank you, everybody, for asking questions. I really appreciate the engagement. And if you know anybody that needs this information, please share this video with them. I think it's really, really good information that everybody should have. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us, Katie. If you have thank anything you. else to leave us with, um, just that I have ongoing events. If you want a little bit more information, you can check out the events page on my website. Um, it will let you know where I'm going to be in the community. And um, in addition to local events, I, I regularly do webinars too. So if you can't get out locally, um, there's that option as well. Great. Well, thank you again for coming. I appreciate it. Everybody no have a great dry day. You too.